Well, we start a new series today, church, called Mind the Gap. I'm sure you know if you've been on the underground that at some point they will say, thanks, in a very certain voice, of course. So for the next few weeks, we're talking about some different gaps. We're talking about the gap between the promise and the fulfillment, the gap between the lost and the found, the gap between the reality and the ideal. And today we're talking about the gap between Sunday and Monday. You know, this week I got thinking about the different days of the week and how often certain days can be about certain things. My mum tells me that uh, when she was growing up, for her mum, certain days were very specific to certain things. So Monday was for washing and ironing. She did it all in one day. I just think that's like a dream. Um, (laughs) Tuesday was food shopping day. Wednesday was the ladies' meeting, which was like our connect groups. Uh, Thursday was baking day, and Friday was cleaning day. Um, If you know me or my mum, you'll know that we love a bit of structure and organisation, so you know where we got it from, uh, from my grandma. You know, I think in life today, things have become uh, slightly different. Many of us don't work Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm. Some people work weekends, some people doing shift work. um, Some people have a day off that's not necessarily a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, But as we talk today, I want to kind of give the sort of general principle around these days and kind of what I guess comes to mind when we think of the day Sunday and we think of the day Monday. Sunday, I think, represents church. It's traditionally the day we get up and we go to church. You know, pretty much from the time I was born up until now, every Sunday I've been in church. In fact, my mum tells me that I began coming into this world while she was playing the piano in this church. Uh, So I am a true church baby. Sunday's about church. Sunday's also about Christians. You know, the reality is that on a Sunday, I spend the most amount of time that I do all week with Christians. I see you at church. Some of you I may have lunch or dinner with. I hang out with a lot of you. And so Sunday is all about church. We're told that 2.3, there are 2.3 billion Christians in the world today. Many of whom today will gather in churches, whether that be in public or in secret all around the world. I think Sunday is all about celebration or praise. Now, Sunday for me has always been a day to look forward to. In our household growing up, Sunday was the day we couldn't wait to get to church. We couldn't wait to get to our kids' ministry. In fact, when I was growing up, the kids' ministry was called Super Normals. Imagine. We just couldn't wait to get there because we love church. In fact, I have on occasion seen some of your children coming out of tenacious crime because they do not want to leave church. I think that's the way that it should be. I think Sunday's about family. We're the family of God and we gather together. That's why we encourage you to go out of these doors, not them doors, so that you can connect with one another because we're family. Family don't hopefully ignore each other. I often on a a Sunday go to my mum's for dinner because we're family. That's what you do on a Sunday. I think Sunday is connected with heaven. I think here at church gives us a little glimpse into what heaven looks like. There'll be worship in heaven and that's what we get to do on a Sunday. I love every Sunday that I come into this place and the worship team have gone out now. But I am so blessed every Sunday to stand in this place and worship. Got an incredible team. In fact, I gathered with them this week. Um, And we were chatting together about how we can improve and all sorts of things like that. And I was so encouraged because I love the fact that we get to come here and we get to praise and worship together. We gather together with all nationalities. That's what heaven will look like. 
every tribe and every nation worshipping the King of Kings side by side. And I think Sunday gives a little glimpse into that. There's nowhere else really on the planet where you can get what we have here or in churches across the globe where we gather together. And then when we come to Monday, things obviously look a little bit different. Monday, in contrast, represents work. For most people, Monday means back to work after having time off. Monday represents non-Christians, whereas on a Sunday you're gathered next to all these Christians. On a Monday it looks very differently, doesn't it? For most of you, not for me, sorry. (laughs) It's about reality. You're going back into work on a Monday morning. I'm sure many of us wake up on a Monday and say, oh, back to reality. Monday represents work colleagues. It's very different from your family. You're amongst different people. And I think Monday represents the earth as opposed to heaven. It's a little bit more raw. And I think this gap between a Sunday and a Monday is kind of like that last day on your holiday feeling. I'm sure you know what I mean. You know when you you get to the last day of your holiday and you think, oh, only one more day. It's the point at which you have to repack your suitcase and for some unknown reason you can't fit everything in. Even though you've got the same amount of stuff that you had on the way out, it doesn't really make sense. It's like on on holiday when you have your last meal out and you realise, oh, I've got to go back to cooking for myself. Or you're trying to use up all your foreign money because what are you going to do with a few euros? Or it's the last minute gift buys before you come home in the airport where you're spending extortionate amounts on key rings and things because you've forgotten to get a present for your mum. It's like (laughs) the typical English people, now I know you know what I mean, who come home from Spain in their flip-flops and shorts as if they're hoping they're bringing a little bit of sunshine from Spain back into the UK. I'm sure you've seen them in the airport and you sort of look at them and think, sorry, (laughs) it's not going to happen. It's like when you have to go on that long journey home from the airport And it's the realisation, I'm no longer in the sun, I'm going back to work. It's the endless washing that you have when you get back from holiday. And the realisation that it always seems to be raining on the day you come home from holiday. You know, I think in some ways that's what it's like going from a Sunday to a Monday. Now, I've been considering this week what it would have been like from the disciples going from Easter Sunday into the next day. I'm sure they didn't have that holiday feeling. I'm sure there was just all sorts of emotions going round when they woke up on the Monday and thought, did Sunday actually happen? So we're going to read from Luke 24, verse 1 to 12. This is what it says. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. 
how rude. As I read that this morning, I was like, oh. Anyway, uh, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. What a Sunday. You know, I think every Sunday as we gather should really be like Resurrection Sunday, like Easter Sunday. You might walk in here from a long, difficult week, but we get in here, we step into worship, and we remember our risen King, who is still alive today and working in our lives. You know, I do wonder, as I said, what the disciples felt when they woke up the next day. Were they trying to make out what, you know, what happened? I don't think they sort of went into a bit of, oh, I've just got to go back to work. I think there would have been this kind of shock and awe and wonder at what had happened. You know, today we're going to look at a little bit of what happened after Easter Sunday. If you look at the end of the Gospels, which is what we've just read from in Luke, the next book is the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, it begins to tell us what happened after Easter Sunday. It tells us how the disciples began to spread out into all the world and make this incredible difference in the lives of many people. But there were a few things that I think they carried into that new season of life that I think we can learn about today when it comes to carrying Sunday into Monday. The first thing was prayer. In Acts 1 verse 14, it says they all joined together constantly in prayer. Now, one of the first things uh, recorded in Acts was that the disciples gathered together and they prayed. And note that it says constantly. This wasn't a one-time event. This was a constant thing that was going on and on. In fact, in the book of Acts, the word pray or prayer is mentioned 34 times. There's 28 chapters in Acts, so that's at least one mention per chapter. It seeped through everything that goes on. I don't know if you're one of them people that loves to have ketchup with everything. You know, there's some people like that. Like, they even have ketchup with a roast dinner. I mean, that's just, it's just wrong, going too far. Or maybe you're someone that has salt with everything. Like, I don't really have salt in a lot, but some people just pile the salt on, don't they? Um, or one of them people that has to have loads of sugar in your tea. I'm sure there's a few here. Recently, I was reading about how another culture was so confused by the way the British have potatoes in everything. All kinds of potatoes, jacket potatoes, mashed potatoes, chips, and now we're going a bit crazy over sweet potato. And we just have potato everywhere. And I think it's similar when it comes to prayer in the book of Acts. There's prayer everywhere. That's something that the disciples carried into their Monday. Let me give you some examples. Acts 1 verse 14. They're praying before they're about to go out and win the world for Jesus. Acts 4.24, the believers prayed after they'd been through a difficult situation. Acts 7.59, Stephen prayed through persecution. Acts 9.11, Ananias received a word from God about Saul and was sent to go and pray for him. Acts 11.5, Peter is praying when he gets a vision concerning someone he's to share the gospel with. Acts 16.13 and 16, Paul is on his way to pray when he encounters someone who needs Jesus. Acts 28.8, Paul prayed and someone got healed. You know, prayer isn't just reserved for a Sunday or in our uh, situation for an only God prayer night. Prayer's a lifestyle. I don't know if uh, you remember if you've been in the church for a while, but a few years ago, we were encouraged on our phones to set a reminder for 12 o'clock every day saying, pray for the church. And I've just left it on my phone. And so every single day pops up at 12, pray for the church on my phone. And I take a few minutes just to pray 
over our church because I'm trying to make sure that my prayer life is sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You know, something happened on this day that was to influence the world forever. Something of God was to fill us so that we could walk around with him into our everyday lives. You know, I'm sure you've heard of the cartoon character Popeye, who was created in 1929. Whenever he ate spinach, he became super strong. In fact, if you look at many of the superheroes that we watch on TV today, most of them gain superhero abilities because of something they have or is given to them that aids them to live superhuman or extraordinary lives. I was going to talk about the film Avengers today, and then I got really nervous because at least 10 times this week, I've been around loads of men having really serious conversations about this film. And I thought, if I misquote it, I'm going to be in serious trouble. But if you've seen it, you know what I mean. It's all about these superheroes that have super uh, powers that they carry around. But we are not living in superhero fake worlds. This is real power. Jesus told his disciples they would receive power from the Holy Spirit when he came upon them. Something happened on that day of Pentecost when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, something that would change the world forever. Before this time, God had in many ways contained himself to the Israelites. But on this day, everyone had the opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some examples. Acts 4.33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection. Acts 7.55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. It's actually when Stephen was martyred. Acts 8.29, the Spirit told Philip, this is when Philip went to lead the Ethiopian man to God. Acts 11.28, one of them, Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread. As a result of that prophetic word he had, they cared for the needy in a difficult situation. You know, imagine with me for a moment that you're so full of the Holy Spirit that you feel him telling you that at work, a colleague's struggling, so you need to give him £100. You give it and later find out that they didn't know how they were going to buy food that month for their family, all because you listened to the Holy Spirit. Imagine with me for a moment that you're sitting at your desk and God gives you a prophetic word for a work colleague, and you share it, it's exactly what they needed to hear and suddenly they start asking about your faith imagine if you're on the train on the way to work and you see someone sick and you pray for them and they get healed you know the holy spirit was never intended just for a sunday it was never intended just for a sunday experience the holy spirit gives us power to go out and win a world for jesus the third thing that was given to the disciples that they carried from the sunday was boldness Acts 2 verse 4 says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Now, if you were here last week, you'll remember my mum speaking about this. She spoke about stepping forward, not sliding back. We know what Peter's history was. He kept me messing up. He kept making big mistakes. But after the Holy Spirit came upon him, something evidently changes. And it tells us that Peter stands up. You know, it's easy to be bold when we stand in this room and we're amongst each other. But when you walk into your workplace tomorrow, maybe it's not quite as easy as that. You know, I've never really thought of myself as that bold. If I'm put in a room full of people I don't know, it's really my worst nightmare. 
I've never been one of them people that just talks to everyone, although I'm sure there's a few of you here today. But I'm trying to do some things that help me get better to get a little bit bold. But the reality is that if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, that's not going to happen. And so on a daily basis, I have to say, Jesus, would you fill me with your spirit once again? You know, a few months ago, we took some of our youth to a trampoline park uh, not far from here. And uh, I wasn't jumping on that occasion. And so I sat on the side uh, just watching. And this Muslim lady came and sat next to me. And I just really felt in my spirit I should at least say hello to her. You know, sometimes we just sit next to people and don't say anything. So I said, oh, you know, hi, I'm Hannah. Are you here, you know, with with your children? I'm here with some young people. Had a little chat. And then as I began to just ask very simple questions, she began to tell me about her life story. She told me how she'd recently lost a baby and was struggling with her grief. And I got the opportunity to tell her, I'm going to go away and I'm going to pray for you. Just Just out of one simple question that I was able to ask with a little bit of boldness. You know, I always used to laugh because I always remember Dad telling us that when he used to get on the train on the way to work when he worked in the city, you know what it's like on a Monday morning, I'm sure. If you get on the train, nobody speaks to each other. Nobody makes eye contact. It's all very quiet. And I always remember Dad saying that he would step onto the train and say, good morning, everyone. I mean, you can imagine. If you knew my dad, you can just hear it, can't you? Just saying it, and everyone would sort of look... I'm not really sure. And it got me thinking about it because I thought, I don't know how many years he worked in the city, I can't remember. But every morning for a good few years, he would have done that. It would have been the same people. I mean, I wonder what they were thinking with that kind of boldness. You know, can I encourage you, church, as you wake up in the morning to say to God before work, today, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I might have boldness to share something of you with the people I come into contact with today? The fourth thing they carried was salvation. Acts 2.41 says those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Just imagine with me for a moment (laughs) if on one day 3,000 people got saved. I mean, for us like who work here at church, we'd be like, ah, what are we going to do? But imagine for a moment if that level of people found Jesus. After Easter Sunday, there was an explosion of people finding Jesus. It starts here in Acts, and then it spreads like wildfire. We know what wildfires are like from the news this past year. You remember seeing how devastating the Californian fires were, and how they were so difficult to control. Now, when it comes to this part of Acts, it obviously wasn't devastating, but it was powerful. There was no containing it. The religious leaders at the time tried to contain it because it threatened their way of life, but there was no way to contain it. Let me give you a few other points from Acts where salvation took place. Acts 2.47 says, And the Lord added to their number daily, daily, those who were being saved. Acts 4 verse 4, But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Acts 5.14, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Acts 6, verse 7, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And that's only up to chapter 6. There's 28 chapters in Acts. So you can imagine what happens after that. Sunday's not just for salvation. Yes, of course, we hope on a Sunday that people will come into this place 
and find Jesus. But when it came to the early church, they didn't wait for a particular day for people to find Jesus. It was happening all the time, all over the place. At any point during the day or night, people were finding Jesus. I want to encourage you today, church, to just imagine for a moment if every single one of us in this building this year led one person to Jesus. Imagine the impact that would have on our community. And I want to challenge you today to start believing for it. You know, sometimes maybe when we haven't led someone to Jesus in a while, we start thinking, oh, maybe it doesn't work anymore. Maybe haven't really got what it takes to do that. But let's begin believing that this actually can happen. You in your workplace, you as you're walking down the street in your home, you can lead people to Jesus. Sunday has to seep into Monday. It was the way of the early church. It should still be the way of the church today. I want to encourage us to believe that it can happen. I wonder if someone would just find Oppo for me. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in the source, and one of our Connect Group leaders came and asked to speak with me. It was a strange conversation to begin with because I couldn't work out where it was going. He said to me, uh, I know this might seem a bit strange, but I just wanted to run something by you. He said, the other day, uh, my neighbor was speaking to me. He's a Christian, and he's running to be a local counselor. And so he asked if I could help him give out some leaflets in the local area. And if I'm honest, whilst this conversation was going on, I was thinking, oh, he's going to ask if we can give out leaflets here. And I'm going to have to say, you know, we don't, we're not encouraging political parties and blah, blah, blah. We're not, that's not really part of our mission. But then he said to me, actually, what, what happened was I agreed to go with this neighbor and help him to give out the leaflets. And as, as I was walking around my neighborhood, he said something happened to me. And I started thinking, oh, Every person in these houses that I'm going in, they, they don't know Jesus. And, like, who's going to tell them about Jesus? So when he got home, him and his wife went on the internet and they looked for a little booklet that explains how to have a relationship with Jesus. And they, they bought 50 of them and they decided that they'd go to every house in their neighborhood, give one of these uh, leaflets to the houses. And he said to me, I was just wondering what I should do. Like, what, what do I do if they want to become a Christian? Like, how will they know where to go? So then we spoke about maybe, you know, attaching a leaflet to church. So there's come some kind of connection. Then we began to speak about different ways you can reach out to your neighbors, maybe a barbecue in the summer, a Christmas party. You know, I think that's putting Sunday into Monday. There's another family in our church that at Christmas time, when we did the hampers for our neighbors around the church, they took the idea... They went and bought hampers. They went and bought food. They went and, and bought bows and ribbons to put around it. And then they made a hamper for every person in their cul-de-sac this Christmas. You know, I think that's putting Sunday into Monday. For the last few years, my mum's been trying to reach out to her neighbours at the end of the garden. And the lady's had cancer. She's been taking flowers, offering to pray for her. I think that's putting Sunday into Monday. Me and Ali who share a house, uh, we've been trying to reach out to the woman with the barking dog. Now, bear with me. If I've told you about this before, you know, the dog's a bit wild. Anyway, we find out that she's actually had a dog psychologist in. I didn't know that was a thing. And I'm really not an animal person, so I've really been trying to, like, act serious about this, even though I really am struggling. But we've been trying to get to know her so that in case someday there's an opportunity to be able to share Jesus with her, it's a little bit maybe more difficult for us who work at the church. We have to find some other ways to do this. But I think that's putting Sunday into Monday. 
And as we conclude today, I want to challenge you to live out Sunday in the rest of your week. There's a few ways you can do it. Firstly, find opportunities to pray outside of a Sunday for the people you see every Monday. Secondly, every day, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. Thirdly, take some bold steps to speak to people, help people, and share Jesus. And fourthly, Savior, take the message of his glory and miracles to every nation. Tell them all about the amazing things he has done. I want to encourage us, church. I'm so passionate about this because we have a world to win for Jesus. You know, when um, us as a leadership team have been reading up a bit about transition and all that we're going through as a church, many of the statistics say that church numbers drop during this season and uh, things don't go as well. Well, I'm believing, church, for us in this period of transition that the favour of God is going to be upon us, not because of anything we are, but because of who Jesus is. I'm believing that hundreds of people are going to come to find Jesus and we're going to write a new story for the many churches that will go through similar things to us. And so I want to encourage you today, in this last few moments that we have, to pray for our um, city, to pray for our town, to pray for your neighbours, because we're going to believe for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not on a Sunday, but midweek, and you're going to bring them all on a Sunday to worship with us. Father God, right now we understand that there's a mandate upon us to win a world for you, Father. We're not just sitting in these nice walls to, to be a family that's enclosed and not inviting to other people. But actually, Jesus, you call us to go out and win a world for Jesus. And Father, just like that Connect Group leader's done, Father, I pray we'd walk around our town, Father, and you would burden us for the lost of our town, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray something would rise up within us that gives us a boldness. Father, I pray every day you would fill us with your spirit afresh. I pray as we walk into to our workplaces as we walk down the street as we get on the train on the bus in every situation we find ourselves in father may the the incredible anointing of the holy spirit be upon us to give us boldness to wit witness boldness to reach people for you father may we see healings use us in the prophetic show us things in the spirit that we didn't even imagine we could ever see in order to win people for you lord god and father in this season of our church we believe in for an incredible harvest, Father. We're believing for people that have walked away from you to come back. We're believing for people that have never had any inkling of a thought of you to come to find you.